Good to see you again so soon. Yes, yes, good to see you too. I'll remind you, I'm Jacqueline Bolges, and I'm one of the five members of the City of Madison's Police and Fire Commission. We are all residents of the Madison community. And under state law, the PFC has the authority to appoint the city's next chief of police. The PFC has spent the past year carefully working on this process, including collecting and reviewing a substantial amount of input from numerous groups, individuals, and other stakeholders. The PFC is grateful for all of this input, which has com contributed to all stages of our process. The six questions that I'll be asking you this afternoon uh, will be asking each candidate, and they are derived from that input. With that context, we'd like, we'd like to start with the first question. Sound good? Sounds good. Thank you. Great. Okay. Question number one. Please take a few minutes to introduce yourself to the residents of Madison and tell us why you want to be their chief of police. Okay. Well, first of all, uh, good afternoon to everyone, the citizens of Madison and the Police Fire Commission. Uh, I want to personally thank you for uh, having me uh, in this process. Uh, this has definitely been a rigorous and a thoughtful process. Uh, and I thought just the citizens uh, would want to know that. And thank you for having me. Uh, my name is Sean Barnes. I'm originally from North Carolina. I have been in law enforcement for the past 20 years. Uh, I started in law enforcement uh, or my professional career as a public school teacher. So I come to you as someone who has always been involved in the community in one way or another. As a public school teacher, I developed a great relationship with my school resource officer and I entered the police academy. I've had an opportunity to work and lead in two very dynamic uh, police departments, which really remind me a lot of, um, of Madison Police Department. I started in Greensboro um, and I worked there. I did uh, a variety of things there. And one of the things that I'm very proud of is a project that I did called PACT. And PACT stands for Police and Community Together. I recognized that we had a distressed area within my uh, span of control, and I worked to pull resources together from our community, from our churches, and from our civic groups to really have a great impact on that community. From there, it, I was sold. I knew that the way to improve people's lives was to create partnerships, and that has really become the hallmark of my leadership style and why I want to be a leader in Madison. From there, I moved on to the Salisbury Police Department to help them with a myriad of issues, including deteriorating police community relations after a law enforcement use of deadly force, as well as uh, rising violent crime. Uh, we were able to reduce our crimes to a 20-year low there in Salisbury, as well as increase our citizens' satisfaction with the police force. And in looking at some of the things that I did in Salisbury, one of the things that I am most proud of and something that I will certainly bring to Madison was that we were able to reduce crime as well as the number of people we arrested. So as our crime went down, the number of people who were arrested or was incarcerated went down as well. I believe that my job is to prevent crime and to use the best possible strategies to do that that doesn't affect the lives of people. My job is to protect the constitutional rights 
of all citizens. And I want to be the next police chief in Madison because I believe that Madison needs a forward-thinking, community-oriented police chief that's able to connect with all segments of society to create those partnerships that's going to make people's lives better. Thank you so much. Okay, I'm going to move on to question number two. Do you believe police have a role in enforcing federal immigration laws? Please explain. It's a very good question. Um, this is something that I've dealt with throughout my career. Um, Salisbury has a, a very strong population of citizens from Nicaragua, and we had to deal with this issue. I do not believe that local police should have a role in, in immigration. I only believe we should help out if there's a safety issue, and that's on both parts. So there is a safety issue, I believe, that we are there to help with that. But if there's not a safety issue, I do not believe that the police should play a role uh, in that. Um, we have to be um, extremely careful that you do not create a situation in your community where people don't feel comfortable coming to the police, and that's about equity. Um, I truly believe, as a police chief, that every citizen who lives in Madison, no matter where you live, should have the same access to police services if they need it. Thank you very much. Okay, question number three. It seems that police fear some of the communities they work in, uh, and communities fear the police in return. What fears have you observed in the communities you've policed in, and what strategies might you deploy to help heal the harms that cause these fears? So I believe that fear um, is, 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 fear is a result of not understanding. I believe that fear comes when, we're, when we don't understand each other. Um, and so I have dealt with that throughout my entire career, and it's always served me personally uh, well by creating uh, opportunities to get to know my community. Um, and as far as strategies, my strategy of neighborhood-oriented policing, which is uh, an extension uh, or an evolution of community-oriented policing, something that we hear a lot about in Madison, the next phase of that is neighborhood-oriented policing, where we put officers and detectives, and we make sure that there is a responsibility to that neighborhood. What happens with that is you create something called proximity. And in proximity, you get to know each other for who we really are, and that reduces fear. Another thing that we can do is we can make sure that we are selecting the best people to be police officers in Madison, and that we make sure that they understand the public. One of the strategies that I employed when I was in Salisbury, North Carolina, was that we added an additional question to our questionnaire when we were hiring new police. And that question simply stated, tell me about your volunteer experience. And that question may seem unusual uh, for someone who's going to be a police officer, but it, 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 it's very relevant in that we want people who, it's not the first time you volunteer your services to help someone in the community. We want people who understand service. And one way to understand that is to ask them about their volunteer service. And if they don't have any before they leave, we tell them about opportunities that they can have if they want to get more experience. But it's a, a feather in your cap if you understand volunteer service. 
Okay, question number four. What is your personal perspective on police engagement with youth? How can we ensure an environment in which youth are able to learn and thrive free from fear? You know, so when it comes to uh, engagement with youth, that's something that I believe is, is very, very important. And, and, you know, all police departments will, will tell you that they have PAL and that they do mentoring and they have SROs. But to me, it's, it's deeper than that because it's about having a deep connection uh, to the individual students that need us the most. Um, and so what I would do in Madison is that I would make sure that number one, we have good performance measures when it comes to the programs that we have to engage the youth. We have to be willing and we have to be vulnerable enough to meet the youth where they are. So many times we think the idea or the answer is basketball. Or we think the idea is sports and that's great. But there are some youth that are into anime. There are some that are into coding. There are some that are into electronics. But I would suggest that we ask the youth, what do they want? They may want a leadership opportunity. And so we may want to expand our internship program, or we may want to have a summer volunteer program where they can learn leadership skills from the police department and we can establish those relationships. I think they should have a say. If I'm the chief in Madison, I will not only have an adult chief advisory board, but I'll have a youth chief's advisory board where I will sit down with a selected group of youth and I will make myself accountable to them. I believe their voices matter. I believe that a society is judged by how you treat your elderly and how you treat your children. And I believe that in this new era of policing, we have to give everyone a voice, especially our children. Okay, next question, uh, number five. How do you see, no, what do you see as the role of police in responding to mental health or drug-related cases? How do you ensure safety and inclusion for people with disabilities and people actively struggling with mental illness or addiction? So I think the role of police when dealing with mental health and with substance abuse is one of support. Again, I speak a lot um, about partnerships and it's about having those partnerships. Whoever is best to do the job should do it. Now we're there to ensure safety, but I wanna be clear in this that I'm not correlating mental health or substance abuse with not being safe. Because the truth of the matter is that some people with mental or people with mental illness are more likely to be victims than they are to be assailants. So it's, it starts with having a positive mindset, uh, uh, having a different mind uh, set about how we want to respond to these calls. Um, a lot of times we, we want to, as police, we want to put uh, people with mental illness or substance abuse in a box that they're dangerous to us. And sometimes, and a lot of times, that's not the case. And that won't be my philosophy. We're there to provide safety for everyone, but we're also there as a support, as a, as a pillar or part of the community. I see the police uh, not, I've never seen the police as being a blue line. In fact, I really don't like that. Uh, analogy. We're not a blue line, but what we are is a blue piece of thread and we are woven into the community. And so whether it's responding to lost children or whether it's responding uh, to someone with mental illness, 
or someone with a substance abuse, our job is to be there to support them and to do what's best uh, for our community. The police, we don't have all the answers, but what we should be able to do is find the person best suited to solve that problem. And a lot of times it's treatment. I know we have mental health officers here in Madison. I'm certainly uh, in agreement with that, and I am in agreement of expanding that if we can. But I also want to look at our children who are exposed to crime, uh, to violence or to trauma as well and start earlier in the process so that later on we know uh, if we're responding with someone who may have a mental illness. It's about inclusion. It's about uh, having partnerships. It's about working together in order to solve this problem. Great. So final question, number six. The PFC used a short community survey to ask what the focus should be for the chief in the next two to three years. The top response to that survey at 57% was to reduce crime. Please discuss your ideas to reduce crime through the innovative use of resources and partnerships to enhance community health and safety. So in, in, in 2020, we see that we're in an unprecedented era in policing. I've always thought that policing was global and not just local. We have to pay attention to what's going on in our country. And it turns out that amid a pandemic, COVID-19, crime is going up all over the country. And this is something that is very concerning to me. My strategies for reducing crime is about analysis of crime, it's about accountability and it's about problem solving. So crime analysis simply means that we use technology to determine where crime is occurring, to determine what type of crimes are occurring and to determine um, what is really driving that particular crime. We then create strategies based on looking at crime as problem and not as people. I think many police departments make a mistake when you associate um, incarceration with reducing crime, sometimes police departments think that if we make more arrests, crime will go down. That's not always the case, because I believe that crime prevention and reducing those opportunities are just as important. We can do that through crime analysis. It also helps us to reduce bias, and that's something that's very um, near and dear to my heart. My PhD focus was in the area of racial profiling and bias, not on the part of the police, but on the part of police leaders who do not have the skills to make sure that our tactics are not causing a distress on our community. But crime analysis is where I would start. The second thing I would do is problem-oriented policing, something that Madison knows well, being one of the first police departments in the entire country to implement problem-oriented policing. And so I would look at um, issues, crime issues as problems. I would apply uh, what we call the SARA model, scanning analysis, response, and assessment. That simply means that there's a, a strategy to it. And then lastly, there would be accountability. And for, and for that, uh, we have crime data, we have meetings, accountability meetings, and we make sure, or I would make sure that my job as the police chief, the assistant chief, the captains, our job is to support the implementation of the plan. 
our job, once we set the strategy, once we set the mission and vision, is to step back and allow the men and women of the Madison Police Department to be great. Our job is to give them what they need in order to be great and to guide them in this process. I've done it in two police agencies, most recently in Salisbury, where we saw our crime numbers go to the lowest number they've been in 20 years. In addition, because we were able to arrest less people and make our community feel safe, in the three years that I was in Salisbury, we were 100%, we had a 100% clearance rate on all of our homicides. We had no unsolved homicides during the time. And you can't do that unless the community supports you and they trust you and they're willing to work with you because crime prevention, in my opinion, is everyone's responsibility. Well, thank you very much. I think that's the last of our questions. Uh, thank you for participating this afternoon. Thank you so much.